You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Screeners. This is Chad. I'm Chris. I'm Melody. And I'm Daniel. And we're back again to talk all things media. We're very excited to have our first full official episode in the year 2018. Guys, we made it another year. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Stories of our death have been greatly exaggerated, but there's Mm. still time. So we'll see what we can do in 2018. (laughs) Wow. We hope you've been enjoying all of the bonus content that's been coming out. Daniel and Tyler have been doing a great job highlighting a lot of the potential awards contenders. There's more of that to come. So keep listening for more bonus content. But tonight we have a full episode. We're going to be doing a top three talking about Aaron Sorkin's directorial debut of Molly's Game. In the meantime, please make sure to get over to our Facebook page. Look for Screeners Podcast. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at ScreenersCast. So it's great to be in 2018. We're looking forward to an awesome year. And with that, let's move into our main event review of Molly's Game. I'm Molly Bloom. Do you know about me? I read your indictment after I got your call last night, and I bought your book. Do you understand that you are charged with operating an illegal gambling business? Are you taking me on as a client? I don't think I can convince my partners to take a flyer on the poker princess. If you think a princess can do what I did, you're incorrect. I'm getting that you don't think much of me, but what if every single one of your ill-informed, unsophisticated opinions about me were wrong? I'd be amazed. All right, so uh, we are going to dive into our review of Molly's Game, starring Jessica Chastain, Idris Elba, Kevin Cosner, Michael Sarah. The IMDb description is as follows. The true story of Molly Bloom, an Olympic-class skier who ran the world's most exclusive high-stakes poker game and became an FBI target. This is the directorial debut of Aaron Sorkin. He's one of my favorite screenwriters, and I know that several of us here on the podcast are huge fans of Aaron Sorkin, and we're very much looking forward to his directorial debut in this film. So I'm excited to chat a little bit about this movie. Let's go ahead and get things started. Let's find out what Daniel thought of Molly's Game. I, too, am a huge Aaron Sorkin fan. West Wing is easily one of the best shows of all time. Uh, or, or the best, yes, excuse me, yes, the <laughs> Whoa, best. Hey. Let's get that straight. Wow, yes, that, yeah, that I apologize. Qualifier is, uh, that qualifier, pretty, that's pretty intense. <laughs> so Aaron, sorry, and, and I'm a huge fan of just about anything he writes. I struggle to think of anything I don't like that he's written. The Social Network is one of my favorite movies of all time. So yeah, I, I am a huge Aaron Sorkin fan. And so when I heard about his directorial debut, I was all in. And uh, not just because it's his debut, but this this project is really fascinating. Uh, Molly Bloom's story, I didn't know too much about it, but it seemed really, really intriguing. The movie opens with this big, frenetic ski run that doesn't go as planned, and it's messy and fast-paced, and it's witty, all of that. And it really sets the stage really well for the rest of the movie and, and showed me from right off the bat that Aaron Sorkin is going to be just as good at handling a fast-paced movie as he does a fast-paced screenplay. Uh, He really made a good transition from from writer to director, and I'm really, really happy with this movie. It, It benefits from a genuinely fascinating story, that one that's a perfect fit for Aaron Sorkin. The story is, it's told in like three different time 
periods, I guess, kind of young Molly, Molly building her poker empire, and then Molly after she's been, you know, arrested and trying to build her life back together. He does a really good job of cutting back and forth between those, and it never got confusing. And that's definitely not easy to do, handle all of those timelines and, and eras. So he does that really well. This movie is really gripping and funny, and it has all of the trademark fast-paced dialogue and quick wit that, that you want from Aaron Sorkin. And it's just a fascinating movie. Jessica Chastain is perfect in the role. This is a great fit for her, and she, she does really well handling that Sorkin dialogue, um, fast-paced and witty, and um, she is really fantastic. And the supporting cast is is really, really excellent here. There are so many supporting players in this movie uh, that just do a fantastic job, even if it's brief. Idris Elba is obviously, he's fantastic in his role. Um, he makes a good pair going back and forth with um, with Molly. He's, he's the lawyer character. And then Michael Sarah of all people, is like surprisingly really intimidating. He plays Player X, the mysterious uh, high-profile celebrity player, and um, he's really, he feels like he has a good presence, which is not something that you really feel from the quiet Michael Sarah we've usually seen. Uh, but there's a bunch of other people, Bill Camp, Chris O'Dowd, a bunch of others. The supporting players are really, really fantastic. So overall, I really love this movie. There's a couple clunky moments uh, with her dad here and there that were okay, but a little forced. But overall, um, I don't want to be too nitpicky because I really, really enjoyed this movie. This is a great film, and I highly recommend it. All right. Okay, Melody, how about you? What did you think of Molly's Game? Well, I am definitely an uh, Aaron Sorkin fan, as I think we all are. I will see anything that he writes, and I will expect to enjoy it because he's amazing. So Molly's Game did not disappoint in any way. I don't know that I necessarily know, like, can see his influence in the directing differently than I can just in him writing. But it was a, it was a completely solid movie, very fun. Um, like Daniel said, definitely fitting to his writing style I definitely think like him being a part of the project made it a better movie than just telling the story on its own so I loved it I loved every part of it like Daniel said I thought the acting was awesome I feel like Idris Elba redeemed himself from my very poor uh, assessment of him in the Dark Tower so thank goodness for that I might still have room in my heart for him after all and Jessica Chastain was awesome Uh, I think like I don't think we've seen her play like such a glamorous character too many times. So that was cool to see her in that role. I think she did an awesome job. I thought the movie was great. Loved it. All right. Okay. So two very positive reviews so far. Chad, I would call you the resident Aaron Sorkin fan. Uh, No doubt. you, You love this guy. So... I'm sure your expectations were fairly high, even if you hadn't seen the trailer or knew nothing about this movie other than it was just an Aaron Sorkin joint. So what did you think about it, man? Yeah, there's no doubt that I am sign me up sight unseen for anything that has a Sorkin's byline on it. Yeah, I was specifically interested to see his directorial debut just because uh, it's Aaron Sorkin. I'm interested in anything that he has to say. And if you had asked me, I haven't, you know, I don't know anything about the story 
uh, the real life story, and I don't know, I had didn't know anything about the film itself other than it was named Molly's Game and it was about poker. And if you had asked me going into this movie, out of all of us, who would be the most positive, I would have said me for sure, just because I do love everything the man has ever written. But I'm going to have to be completely honest and be the voice of dissent here for this one and say that I'm not a big fan of Molly's Game. I don't dislike the movie. I don't think it's a a bad movie. But compared to to Daniel and Melody, I am going to definitely be a few steps more negative than they were. I just had some basic issues with this movie and I don't want to just chalk it up because it's an easy criticism to say oh he's a first time director and this happened and this happened but I I was really somewhat bothered one just from a technical standpoint at how visually ugly this movie is there are sets in this film that are supposed to be office interiors that look so bad it just looks like a, a a poorly funded television set to me and it's just very technically uninteresting his direction in particular and again I I didn't go in there like ooh, I'm gonna nitpick I was just like as a fanboy of Sorkin's just sat down ready to watch it and was really distracted in a film that is primarily dialogue then you have to find creative ways even as sharp and razor sharp as the dialogue is you have to find visual ways even with great performers to keep keep it interesting and it was it just felt like the basic one shot two shot coverage one shot two shot coverage over and over and over again it was the composition the camera had movement but it wasn't movement that really told anything any action that revealed anything about the characters per se and so I was really just distracted with that but then beyond that probably the major point of contention that I had was I, I don't know what this movie was really just trying to say, and I, I, I don't mean that like I, I'm looking for some great profound meaning. I just, the story in and of itself is, like Daniel mentioned, is so spectacular that it seems like this thing should just should just crackle with interest. But if I'm being honest, I don't know what they were trying to say thematically. And so in that sense, if I, if, I, if there's not some greater meaning that it's trying to, that a, a filmmaker is trying to convey to me, I have to just be uh, entertained by the story. And in this case, as outlandish as the true story was, if I'm totally honest with, at the length of this movie, uh, there were several times where I felt myself kind of bored and, and dragging, which was unexpected for sure. I, I mean, I'm in this movie, I'm, I was often told why I should care about Molly as a character. He does a great job, Sorkin does, of conveying information of who she is and how she got there and juggles a lot of information and cross-cut scenes, as Daniel mentioned. But I never felt like emotionally connected to her as a character and really understanding who she was. And, and, and we get to that at the end, which some of my favorite things about the movie were happened in the very last last 20 minutes of the film but I do appreciate to me this seems like this would have worked better as just like a a television series where we could get to know the stories of these wild characters that come in and out of her life and because it was just full of lots of people and lots of talking I just found myself feeling the strain of trying to carry all of that information 
in this one story, the construction that he uses with the bookends of the of the skiing and then the flashbacks to the family, I just felt myself literally feeling the weight of it about to burst because there was so much that he was trying to do in this film that it just didn't really work for me as much. I do agree with Melody. I love Idris Elba specifically. He gives a monologue in here in a, in a court deposition or in a deposition that was just on fire. It was so good. Marvelous performance. I think Chastain's performance is great. I think there there's another session in here that specifically talks about, I don't want to get into spoilers, so I'll, I'll save that. But there's there are just some marvelous exchanges that are Sorkin-esque. But ultimately, I, I just think it's good and not great. It's not... It's not among his best work for sure. And I think as a director, he's just got some work to do to find a way to make these scenes dance. And for me, they just didn't. Wow. Okay. I have to say I'm a little shocked. Uh, yeah, I guess when we're so close to something that we love, maybe we, we're a little bit more critical uh, than we normally <laughs> would be. Uh, so that's that's. Or fine. it could be that's that fine. he just met, he just had those problems. Uh, maybe. I, th- there's one scene in this film that I had a technical issue with. Uh, it involved a skate rink and a conversation on a bench. There, there was a little bit of a color yeah. correction issue. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not with Kevin Costner's uh, up close shot. That was the only moment in the film I thought they should have reshot that. They probably just didn't have the money to go back and reshoot it. But uh, that's the only technical issue that I really noticed. The whole interior stuff that you're talking about never bothered me, Chad. Um, like the skyline in the in the uh, Idris Elba's office didn't yeah. bother you. Nope. It didn't. It it didn't. I I, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I I get that. Yes. I I understand. Obviously they shot on a green screen and it was in a, but it's still, it, it, it didn't bother me. It didn't, it didn't bug me. What did I think of this movie? I loved it. I went into this movie and I told Melody, you know, Aaron Sorkin uh, is a master of effects, right? You go into see big blockbusters and you're going in there to see like effects, right? And, but his effects are all dialogue based, right? Rather than explosions it's it's the English language. And he does such an amazing job in this film. I love the opening sequence. He definitely breaks, uh, I was listening to a review, you know, he definitely breaks all of these, uh, revi- uh, all these script writing rules. Uh, you're not really supposed to have a voiceover the entire film. There's a voiceover the entire film. You know, there's all kinds of things that are broken, but I think he does it to such great effect that, me as an audience somebody in the audience watching it i just get sucked in and unlike you chad i just felt like i was compelled the entire time to keep going i wanted to know more afterwards Uh, i wanted to dive deeper into the actual story of what happened here and it's so interesting aaron sorkin over the last several years i don't know what what genre i would call it it's like um hyper real docu drama or whatever i don't know what you say because obviously charlie wilson's war social network moneyball steve jobs and now this movie they're all based in kind of the real world but done in a very stylized stylish way you know what you're seeing on screen is not necessarily all the truth and all accurate but it's getting you close to the feeling rather than the actual reality of the story and i just i love that style i like that movie it's unlike anything else we get i feel like so many so many times when i go into a movie they're they're so beholden to 
the whatever it is and, and, and you know whether it be the story that was in real life or the book or the comic book they're trying to adapt and when I watch the movie it just feels like they're too beholden to that Aaron Sorkin on the other hand just says I'm going to distill the story down to its most interesting most core parts and that's what we get you know, I, I was really, I had a blast with this movie. Every time something would happen, another plot twist, I'd think to myself, can this possibly be a real story? Jessica Chastain is, does, gives an amazing performance. Idris Elba, somebody's already mentioned that it, his dialogue and that deposition is really fantastic. And I just, I enjoyed the the visuals, the style of it all. I, I think, of course, Aaron Sorkin is not like the, the master filmmaker at the moment, but I think his vision is so strong strong that it's it comes through uh you know you're able to to come along that ride with him so well and so i really had a blast uh with with molly's game i i just thought that they did some really fantastic things made me cheer and laugh and just had a really really good time it doesn't take itself too seriously and yet it really is it's a fantastic ride so is there anything else you guys wanted to add before we jump into uh, into spoilers? Obviously, we're going to get our, you know, our rating. But is there anything else you guys wanted to add before you, we jumped in? Yeah, to, to Chad's credit, the, the film is certainly long. And it towards the end, it starts to feel long um, because it's, it's obviously a lot more fun to watch the rise of Molly Bloom than the downfall. And so once, once it kind of, the, the downslope kind of starts... I did start to feel the runtime a little bit more, but still, it didn't. Uh, it certainly didn't didn't hurt the film overall for me. But that's one one issue that I had with it. And I'd be hard pressed to say that Aaron Sorkin has a style yet. I mean, I think when when I rewatch this, you know, maybe it'll hit me a little bit better. What Sorkin is great at is constructing a scene and setting up the the pins and then knocking them down within a scene. Uh, he's a master at that. There's almost no one, but maybe no one better at it on the planet. But visually, I think he hurts himself here because he does shoot everything in those scenes. Just so, I mean, even in a show of his like The Newsroom, that, that, when you're watching that, you could turn the sound off and watch those scenes, and it looks like a dance, it looks like a fight. In this movie, I don't think you get that same thing. It's just, it's extremely basic coverage. And so, and I don't want to be that dorky guy that's all complaining about the technical stuff of it. It just, it, it just bothered me how uninteresting, it didn't look like a movie to me. Now, this, the opening scene, I agree, I think that's one of the best opening scenes I've seen all year. The way that the title card comes at the, at the end of what happens there and all that stuff but I don't think the rest of the movie even gets close to matching that kind of pace and that kind of outside of the performance and the dialogue visually it doesn't keep up with that with that and so that's that's all overall it's like I said I can't say it's a bad movie and people still should see this movie I just wanted this to be in my top three of the year and I just it's not going to be it's just so interesting to me that you've I mean you know and again I don't want to like there's no reason to hammer this home but like this is the first time you've really brought up these points in like a director and and like I said before I think it's just because you've been you knew this is his directorial debut so you were looking for the the cracks you were looking for the seams that's not true I think you were I think you were when we when we get to our top three talking about our favorite our top three director yes yeah you'll see that that's not the case because it's not just about the technical prowess it's in a in a movie like this where it's almost all dialogue it gets 
I think that's part of why I was bored. I certainly didn't go in here thinking, all right, let's see what you got, Sorkin. I was ready to just be swept away like I am every movie. I just, I I was never bored this movie And that is not my major problem. Technically, yes, it's got some problems, but it's the story stuff that, you know, that I talked about earlier. That's fine. It's okay that you love it. It's okay. <laughs> I Yeah, again. Okay, that's cool. But, and I, right. can't, I can't disagree that there, there is no specific visual style. There's nothing that I particularly loved visually. Uh, I just didn't dislike it, if that makes any sense. I, I agree. It doesn't have any specific style. Uh, I just, I definitely didn't think it was ugly by any means. So, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, all right, so let's go ahead and get our review. The way that we do reviews here on the screeners is we ask how you should see the movie. So should you see this movie in the theater? Should you rent it? Should you wait to stream it on Netflix or just skip it all together? All right, so Daniel, how would you rate Molly's Game? Uh, I I definitely think you should see this in the theater. Now, uh, there's a lot of great stuff in theaters right now. Don't, make sure you you hit some of the good ones as well. But but this is this is worth it. Uh, Wait, I is think. this not one of the good ones? I'm sorry. It is. Wait, it is. Oh, okay. uh, there there are a few, possibly a couple better movies out there in theaters right now. But this is this is a great movie. This is definitely worth seeing in theaters. Uh, it's a fantastic pick. I'm I don't think you would necessarily lose anything renting it. I think it would be a perfectly fine rental just because it's. Like I said, it's not particularly visually stunning or anything, but if you have the time, if you're interested, I would say see it in theaters. Cool, Melody. Where do you uh, where do you put this on your uh, your rating? I definitely feel that everyone should see it in theaters to support excellent filmmaking because I love this movie and you should see it. But if you can't see it in the theater, then certainly rent it. Got it. All right, Chad. How about you, man? Is this is this going to be the downfall of Aaron Sorkin for you? Where where do you place this? Oh no, 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 no! I'm still on the Sorkin train. Oh, okay. But I, I definitely think every it goes without saying. I think everybody should see every film in the cinema as it was intended. But <laughs> on my my personal scale, I take that off the off the table and just say, is it theater worthy or not? And honestly, for this one, I'm going to say that you're not going to lose anything for if you rent this, yeah. uh, especially with your other options that you have at this time of year. There's so many movies that I think are better than this one. So I'm going to say rent it. That's where I'm going to land. So you would recommend if somebody came to you and said, should I go see this in the movie theater? You would say, you know what? I'd skip it and I'd wait till you can rent it at home. That's where you're at. I just mean, want to clarify con- this. Listen, context is everything, Chris. You know, it depends on who that person was. All uh, right. If it, if it was like, yeah, I think I would. I really, I really do think I would. I think this is. I was really disappointed with this this okay. film, unfortunately. Okay. All right, and so for me, I would definitely recommend seeing this in the theater. Honestly, there were some laughs and shocks uh, that I really enjoyed being able to see this. We saw this. In the afternoon here in in Florida, and the theater at first wasn't very full at all, but then it filled up by the end. It was completely full, jam-packed. It was a fun experience to be able to go through this story with people. I think the shock of, could this actually happen, is really neat with with a group of people. So I'd recommend that you see it in the theater. I think it's definitely worth it. Yeah, and you should also say, too, that I think that most people agree with you guys, the Critics are at 81% on oh, Rotten wow. Tomatoes, but the audience score is 97. So I think most yeah. most of the common people like you guys like it. The common people. <laughs> and with that, we will just jump straight into spoilers. The first rule of Fight Club is 
You do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? But there's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führers brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. And in the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. And he's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. And then I woke up. Okay, so Chad, you said there were a couple of things you wanted to mention. I'm guessing that was because you wanted to wait for spoilers. What were your main issues in the story itself? Well, this is actually not an issue. I I think I one of the scenes that really worked for me that it sounds like, and maybe I'm hearing you guys wrong, that didn't work for you guys as much is I thought the park bench scene with her dad where he gives her the three-minute therapy, you know, 30 yes. years in three minutes. Yeah. I, I, it was one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie, not because I thought it was very realistic because I, I agree that it's kind of in that hyper-real universe or, or reality that he's writing in, but yeah. I thought the writing in that scene and the performances in particular were really moving and fantastic and I, I really enjoyed that scene very much no I, I loved that scene I just was bothered by the color correction I don't know if you realized but like his eyes were brightened in post and I could actually see where they had color corrected his eyes so that you could see them and the rest of the image was dark and maybe maybe it was only my screening but when I was watching it it was kind of that's the only technical thing that I saw and I was like ah Man, I don't know what happened with the cinematography. I don't know what occurred there, but that was the thing that bothered me. The scene itself, I enjoyed. I never thought that the writing dipped below any kind of a par line at all. I really uh, actually enjoyed uh, enjoyed all of that uh, very much. Yeah, yeah. I I think the emotions of that scene were great, and the the whole three minutes therapy and three minute thing was was good and. But I, just the way in which the scene was set up was super clunky to me. The whole he yes. just showed up and I was yes. like, Come yeah, that was on. strange. Yeah. And I understand that it's supposed to be hyper real that that scene didn't happen that way in real life, whatever. Right. But it was just really that's how you're gonna get to that scene. Like that was that was really weak. I completely agree. That was the only scene in the whole movie where my brain went out of just like being in the mode of enjoying the movie and thinking wait what well how did yes. this happen what is yeah. happening why is he here and i get how they explained it and that's fine but it it took me out of the narrative and into like some analytical mode which i didn't like yeah yeah and even the the whole thing where the the emotion that he's trying to go for with her skating very fast and catch me catch me none of that worked for me i thought this is this Agreed. is a step too far yeah yeah I, I do agree that that like i said that entire sequence technically for me was the clunky bit it just felt strange it felt like it was shot weird i don't know i don't know i just that, that whole thing was strange but the content what what is being said i think is really good it's just it felt a little clunky and technically off but the rest of the stuff i really i, I didn't have too much issue i didn't find anything that was really bothersome for me Melody, I would be interested in your perspective of they do state that 
that one time in that that specific scene that it was her issue with trying to control overbearing and powerful men as a uh, <laughs> you know, as a female. I'm just I am just curious because Chris is so overbearing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll joke it aside. I am curious though, kind of what if, if that theme worked for you at all, or or what did you think about that? I mean, uh, that whole scene honestly just bothered me. So I don't know that I connected with that. I feel like he even said like. He just said that to bother her. So I don't know. I didn't necessarily feel like that was the theme of the movie or the only reason why she did what she did. Yeah. Um, And I'm only asking because I have no idea what the theme of this movie is. (laughs) Well, sorry for you. Really? Wow. No, and I don't mean that negatively. Like that's that was part of my point is that I don't know what this movie wants me to know. What is it? If it's just telling a story because the story is interesting in and of itself, great. It didn't work for me on that level as much. But I have seen some articles where people are trying to extrapolate, you know, what the theme is. And I'm just curious if anybody had any read on that. I don't know that I, 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 I guess I agree with you that I don't know that I took away some grand like lesson from this movie. I think to me, the theme is the very last scene when you see her stand back up after the accident. And yep. that's kind of like, that's that's the story of her life, is standing back up after the worst thing that can happen happens. But that's it. I, I don't know if that... Yeah, I yeah. mean, that, that is a literal motif that happens multiple times. She literally gets knocked down and beaten many times in this movie and and gets back up and takes care of herself you know what i mean gets back up on her feet gets takes the beating and then just despite the fact that it would be very easy to give up or take the easy way out she just decides on her own she is going to to be the stronger person whether it be not rat out people just because she could not give in uh just because the government says so but she actually stands her ground and where most people would assume that she would be rather morally corrupt just because of, you know, she, well, she does poker. So that must mean that she's, you know, willing to do anything for a buck. In reality, she has a fairly high moral code uh, and, uh, and is willing to do whatever it takes to win, not at the expense of others, but literally just to stand up and, and do what she knows is right. She does, pretty, and I think it's pretty great. I don't think that we see a lot of. I, I know we don't see a lot of movies like this where you have a strong female character like this who has absolutely no romantic relationships in the entire film. Like, doesn't yeah. even talk about it. Doesn't even address it. It's just like not a part of her story that's portrayed in this film. So that's interesting. I li- I like that. Not, not I don't know you know what her life was actually like, but I like that her story is told without that as a part of it i did think it was interesting like you know because it talks about that she wouldn't sell the movie rights or whatever at some point in in the movie it mentions that so obviously at some point she did so that's interesting but it seems like she still maintained her uh not revealing any more names or anything like that but did you guys look up who player x is No, no i haven't i haven't yet looked so apparently that was toby mcguire Hmm. Which oh, is fascinating. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So I, who knows if that's true or not, but that's what people say. You know when this movie came out that who <laughs> all those early players were uh, like, well, here we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting to think that, you know, this there there is that meta level, right, where whereas an audience watching this, but also this is actually about Hollywood, which is obviously who made this movie so i the entire time i kept thinking to myself like i wonder 
who doesn't want people to see this movie i wonder what tendrils you know they don't want because you know there is a bunch of the, right now in hollywood there is some big shake-up you know what i mean there's some things that you know people are not happy about and so i was just wondering how how big of an impact this would have but obviously it hasn't really i mean i've not heard too much about this movie other than just from like film podcasts that i listen to none of my friends have really even mentioned this i don't really know that it's getting a huge I don't know how it did at the box office. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It just yeah, it seems it's like it's a, a small splash, really. Yeah, exactly. There's the word big splash. Yeah. Not it's at all. Cause it's not that good. Just oh, so you know. Hush. Wow. I love you, Aaron Sorkin. Don't hate me. I'm not totally sure you do. No, uh, that's fine. Everyone's, everyone is, uh, is entitled to their opinion, even if they're wrong, Chad. So you just, <laughs> thank you. You keep thank going. You, Chris. Well, I enjoyed this movie. Listen, if you have your feedback you'd like to give us, if you're listening to this podcast, definitely go to our Facebook page and let us know what you thought of Molly's Game. But for now, let's jump into our top three. Three, two, one. The top three. All right, everybody. It is time for the first top three of 2018. Uh, well, 2017 was an especially good year for first-time directors. Molly's Game was one of those debuts, and I won't mention the others just in case uh, anybody wants to mention them later on in their own top three, but it was a very good year for them. So, in honor of that and in honor of Molly's Game, we are doing our top three directorial debuts. So, these are first-time mm-hmm. directors. Now, as per usual, we have no rules. Interpret <laughs> this as you feel led, Chris. All yeah. right, so uh, let's let's go ahead and start with Chris. Okay, so I've got a, a tie for my three. So I think we're gonna have some uh, oh my after gosh. we're finished. No, no, no <laughs> I'm, we I'm clarifying. Here after we we're fi- hang on, after we're finished, <laughs> we're gonna do our honorable mentions. Correct. I just want to make sure yes. that we do that. Okay, so I think uh, for my number three, I'm going to do the one that's kind of the outlier that you guys are gonna. Uh, him and haw about but i'm gonna say it anyway i'm gonna go with joss whedon in serenity i uh i really really enjoyed uh serenity of course joss directed several episodes of television so i don't know if you could but this is his directorial feature feature length (laughs) debut correct so for me joss whedon and serenity i love that movie i thought it was a really great cherry on the top for the end of the firefly series so uh serenity is my number three I uh, I do not get the whole Firefly. Oh, hype. Daniel, you better Be careful, stop Daniel. that right now. You're about now. to get attacked. I don't <laughs> like the series. I don't like the movie. But uh, but yeah, I I hey. didn't see. I didn't like the movie, but I had not watched the series. So hey uh, hey hey hey, shut up. Wait, <laughs> I'm sorry. I need. You have still not watched the series, Chad. Nobody has time for that right now. I've got other what? things. Jeez, Spend man. your time on other what? things. No, it's plus, one the, of the best. plus, it's plus one of the, best. the movie Serenity was no good, so it didn't motivate you me. You wouldn't to go understand see it. it if you. Oh, I don't. I can't. Anyway, fine, so Chad. that's You're my fine. that's that's my pick, and I'm sticking to it because I knew that it would him and haw, which it did. Fantastic. All right. I love I love chaos. <laughs> All right, Melody, work through the outrage and give us your number three pick. I'm so offended. I don't even care about this top three anymore. <laughs> I think I need to pull it together. Uh-huh. All right, fine. My top three. My number three is one that popped into my head as soon as you guys posted this as our topic this week, which is District 9, Neil Blomkamp's Mm. first film. I loved it for many reasons, and I haven't loved much from him since, but that one was great and impressive with the budget that it had. 
Oh man, that's a good pick. Yeah, I didn't even pick. think about that. Yeah, I know awesome. it's a great pick. I wish he had made one more good movie. But, <laughs> that uh, would be that would be even better. But <laughs> he has not. Nope, <laughs> no. not at all. He really he really hasn't. It's weird. Yeah. All right, Chris. Didn't you love Chappie? Don't try to back out now. <laughs> I, I feel like you love chap. It. No, I did not. I'm pretty sure I we're gonna have to go to the tape like on it, this though. one. What are you? T- what are you? I feel like you, you defended Chappie on the podcast, and everybody else was or like, was "Chris, it you're Josh? just being Chris." It couldn't have been Josh, right? No, I'm, I, I'm almost positive it was Josh who enjoyed Chappie. I feel like I'm gonna have to go to the tape on this <laughs> one. <laughs> to be continued, people. It wasn't me. I'll tell you that. All right, Chad. What is your number three directorial debut? Well, this this list was difficult for me because there are so many amazing options. Yeah. So I had to come up with a little criteria. I'm the anti-Chris when it comes to rules for these lists. I need the rules to help guide me. So my only rule was that I picked the three that made me the most excited for their next feature. Does that make sense? Like after seeing their first one, I liked it so much that I was thrilled with what was coming next. So with that in mind, my number three was The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Hey, man, got a big box of porn for you. I don't want this stuff, okay? Andy, for the last time, I don't want your giant box of pornography. Yo, yo. Come on, man. That is so uncool. Uncool is trying to give an honest man a big box of porn, Andy. The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Judd Apatow's feature debut. Mm -hmm. I still think that's one of the best comedies ever made, and it's still hilarious from, it was 2005, it's just as hilarious today as it was then. It's also sweet, has a great heart. Uh, One of his best, if not still the best. He followed that up with Knocked Up, which was also awesome, but for me, 40-Year-Old Virgin is just about as as good as it gets on the comedy scene. So that's number three. Awesome. Great. Great pick. Uh, all right, so for me, uh, I'm like, Chad, I, I kind of had to figure out how am I going to approach the list. And so I I was looking, I realized that some of my personal, like my top 10 favorite movies of all time uh, were actually debuts and directorial debuts. And so uh, I didn't go with necessary like the best movie of all time, but I went with my, my personal favorites. Uh, that's where I went. So for number three, I have Ben Affleck's awesome thriller, Gone Baby Gone which is still a fantastic movie, great ending, great and pick. just really, really fantastic debut that was totally unexpected for Ben Affleck. I agree. That's cool. a great movie. Yeah. So, Chris, what is your number two pick? For me, it is the directorial debut of a podcaster that I followed for a long time uh, from a show called The Totally Rad Show. His name is uh, Dan Trachtenberg, and his film was 10 Cloverfield Lane. What are you going to do to me? I'm going to keep you alive. You were in an accident. And I saved your life by bringing you here. And everyone outside of here is dead. What happened to your arm? Were you trying to escape? I was trying to get in. What was that? Quiet. How do you know that this is real? Something's coming. 
This movie was tense, claustrophobic. It was thrilling. It was really a fantastic ride. I loved this movie. I obviously was rooting for him just because I felt like I knew him in some you know small way just because I'd been following his career for quite a while, and I thought he nailed it out of the park. Uh, it was a really great movie, and I can't wait to see what he does next. So 10 Cloverfield Lane for me uh, is my number two. Fantastic pick. That is such a good movie. I love that movie. Yeah, I love it. A new Cloverfield movie was just dated for April of this year. So Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, supposed to be called The God Particle or something like that. That's, yeah, that, it's, that's the it's old a working title. title. Yeah. yeah, it's a working title. So we'll see. I don't know. Those movies have, have been surprising. I, I, yeah, I love it. We'll see what yeah. happens. Yeah, should be good. All right, Melody, what's your number two choice? Well, I made this selection knowing that at least some of you would have it on your list, but I could not, in good conscience, not put it on my list because basically Dan Trachtenberg is like a personal friend of mine, so (laughs) (laughs) not really, but I listened to his podcast for lots of years. So it also is 10 Cloverfield Lane because it was just so just delightful for me to see that movie and know that he directed it and just to enjoy that movie so much after I did not love the original Cloverfield very much. So that is my pick for number two. Awesome. Good pick. Yeah, great. Uh, Chad, what is your number two choice? My number two is the director of Creed, Ryan Coogler, whose debut was a little film called Fruitvale Station. And I loved that movie. It was in my top ten that year. And after I saw it and then started looking up the director and learning more about him, I just was could not be more excited about the sense of style and the the emotion that he got out of that story. And of course, then he followed it up with Creed, which was my number two movie of that year. And he's got Black Panther coming up in just a few months. So this guy for me, he's just, I mean, I I cannot wait to see what else he does. And it gives me great hope for Black Panther. But if you haven't seen Fruitvale Station, you definitely should. It is a fantastic, heartbreaking, but wonderful movie. Mm. Yeah, so good. And yes, Black Panther is one of my most anticipated movies of this year. I cannot wait for that movie. Yep. Uh, so for me, my number two choice uh, is, is I've mentioned it many times on this podcast before because it's it's probably my favorite movie of all time. I fluctuate, but it's easily my most watched movie of all time. And that is uh, another, another actor who debuted as a director. This is Tom Hanks' directorial debut with That Thing You Do. Uh, that oh, movie okay. is just, it's so happy and uh, I grew up watching it and it just uh, I really really love that movie and great music as well great choice yep so Chris we'll go back to you what is your favorite directorial debut of all time well I think I'm going to actually defer to Melody because I've done the math and I think ours uh, lines up based on what she sent over slack Uh, I'll just say that I really enjoyed this movie I thought it was great and maybe Melody you could talk about it and we'll go from there so (laughs) sorry to steal your thunder twice it's okay no worries (laughs) it's good it's It's, it's all good exactly (laughs) well it's because this is the correct answer for number one on this list in my not so humble opinion because for my rules as I had were that my choices had to be films that I love on their own, whether or not it was a first-time director or not. And this film is definitely one of my top movies of all time, and that is The Shawshank Redemption. They send you here for life. That's exactly what they take. I believe in two things. Discipline. Help me, Dad! And the Bible. 
here, you'll receive both. Andy came to Shawshank Prison in 1947. Why'd you do it? I didn't, since you asked. <laughs> you can fit right in. I must admit, I didn't think much of Andy the first time I laid eyes on him. He had a quiet way about him. A walk and a talk that just wasn't normal around here. There are places in the world that aren't made out of stone. There's something inside that they can't touch. What are talking about? Hope. So, yeah, this is definitely one of the best movies ever made based on a Stephen King novella, so it has that going for it. Plus, it's just beautiful and amazing in every way, and I'm sure everyone has seen it and agrees that it should be number one on this list. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah, I I fully agree. It is captivating, wonderful, and still stunning to this day. It's one of those movies that if you're going to be a filmmaker or if, if you love film, and the power of what it can do, Shawshank Redemption, there really isn't anything better, in my opinion, anyway. One of the best films ever made, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of why I had my qualifier of that my picks were my personal favorites. Maybe there were better movies, but uh, yeah, so that's exactly what I was thinking of when I said that. Yeah, great pick. Uh, all right, so that goes back to Chad. What's your favorite directorial debut? Yeah, and it's the same same reason that I said that mine got me excited about the director, because there are certainly better movies. Uh, I mean, Citizen Kane, I think, was a director's debut. But this one actually has already been said, Melody Stole My Thunder, but that's okay. It's District 9. Oh, For yeah. me, I left that movie and cheered. I cheered outside in the parking lot. I was so excited and blown away by Neil Blomkamp's debut. And I just could not wait to see what he did next. And he has laid a crap egg ever <laughs> since. I mean, he followed it up with Elysium and then Chappie. Yeah. And it, it's almost mind-boggling. And I don't want to come down on the guy because he's made one great thing. Uh, but it's almost hard to understand how he could have something that reached the heights that District 9 did. And everything he's done since has been so such a huge step down so it's a bummer but as far as debuts go i'm hard pressed to think of one that got me more excited than district nine i that movie still holds up today it's fantastic yeah have you seen his uh web series that he is currently up to at all have you looked into that at all i have i haven't watched any of it i watched like the first two minutes of one of them and that but i didn't have time to finish it so i stopped and put it on the shelf to come back to later have it you is watched def- them I have. Yeah, it is definitely an interesting exercise, I would say. They feel very, uh, you know, slice. You know what I mean? They're not complete. They're just uh, kind of technical tests, I guess I would say. But they're all really uh, very competently done. So I'm hoping he's going back to his, and I think he is, going back to his, like, limited budget. He's got to be creative with what he has and once he does that i feel like his movies will improve because district nine was so shoestring he knew what he wanted to do he had done that short film that was that it was based on beforehand and i think he can come back i, I have faith that neil blomkamp still if has Shyamalan awesome can come back so exactly that is true that's right. Oh man, Shyamalan is Sixth Sense. Uh oh man, no, it's not his door- debut. It's not. Okay, all right, good. Whew. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Thank you. I scared myself there for a minute. Yeah. All right. So my favorite directorial debut is uh, another one of my favorite films. It kind of I fluctuate between that thing you do and this movie. Uh, and this movie just is. It's remarkable that it's this. It's this guy's directorial debut. He had done music videos, but this has. 
just incredibly emotional moments that really uh, some of my some of my favorite sequences of all time. It's really imaginative and creative. And so that's Mark Webb's 500 Days of Summer. I love the Smiths. Sorry? I said I love the Smiths. You've, you've good taste in music. You like the Smiths? Yeah. To die by your side is such a heavenly way to die. I love him. You'll get over her. I don't want to get over her. I want to get her back. I'm like Sid and Nancy for months now. We have some disagreements, but I hardly think I'm Sid Vicious. No, I'm Sid. Oh, so I'm Nancy. It's just such a good movie. The expectations versus reality scene... Uh, it's still I just that's probably my favorite sequence in in all of film I just really really love that movie and uh, love watching it all right so let's move into our honorable mentions we could go on for a long time with this because there are so many great entries uh, directorial debuts so we'll try to keep it a little bit short let's pass it over to Chris what are your honorable mentions well, many of them have already been said so I will just add one and that is Rob Marshall's Chicago which of course wow. won a yeah I forgot uh, that that's a debut that's it, insane it's pretty nuts so that was fairly competently made it won an Oscar <laughs> uh, that's pretty that's pretty incredible so uh, for me that was the one that I was debating between obviously I wanted to do Serenity just because I thought that would uh, shake things up but Chicago is is pretty fantastic yeah great pick all right Melody what are your honorable mentions well I have to say you guys made some really good picks that I didn't even consider so I would probably change my whole list if I had all of your picks in my head but I didn't so my honorable mentions are this is Spinal Tap apparently that was Rob Reiner's first film who knew it's a great movie it's classic and led to lots of other fun films love that one and then I also have Say Anything on here Cameron Crowe's debut nice uh, because everyone loves that movie so it definitely should be mentioned great Uh, All right, Chad your picks so my honorable mentions I had 10 Cloverfield Lane I had The Witch do you guys remember The Witch Robert Uh, Eggers debut film also had saw from james wan oh wow great movie also had the edge of 17 one of my favorite movies from last year by kelly freeman craig alex garland with ex machina who has a new movie coming out annihilation here pretty soon which is pretty great and then the last one was uh, i don't know how many of you guys saw this movie martha marcy may marlene which was a movie that I really, really liked. All right, nice. I mentioned that, that 2017 had been a great year for debuts. Um, Get Out was uh, Jordan Peele's directorial debut, yeah. which is fantastic. And then also Lady Bird from this year. Uh, I didn't put it on my list because Greta Gerwig, that was her solo debut. She had directed, co-directed other things before, but I figured I'd mention it anyway. Uh, yeah. I, I never heard anybody mention Reservoir Dogs, Quentin Tarantino's directorial debut. Uh, yeah. which is fantastic. Once I had, I'm trying to think, uh, you guys mentioned a lot of mine, Mission Impossible 3, which was J.J. Abrams' feature oh, yeah. directorial debut. Uh, so, yeah, so lots of great picks. Uh, we've named lots and lots of movies here. Uh, we also had a few people chiming in online. On Facebook, we had a few people chime in. We had Dara, who said, uh, had, had a few things. We had Virgin Suicides being John Malkovich and say anything in terms of endearment and then also john houston's directorial debut with maltese falcon so uh great picks there uh we had eden 
who said uh, the the only answer is Citizen Kane, but uh, recently Get Out is a good one as well. I can't argue with him there. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hard to argue. Rachel gave a few picks. She said Get Out, uh, Hot Rod. That was an unexpected uh, pick there. As well as Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, Tim Cloverfield Lane, and Lady Bird. Wait, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective was a debut? Uh, apparently it was. Tom Shadyac, yes. the guy who did all, all of the uh, all of Jim Carrey's movies. Or most That's of a movies. great pick. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> How dare you, Daniel? What's wrong with you? <laughs> All right, well, that's it for the top three tonight. Lots of great movies to talk about with that one. Thanks for joining us for this first episode of 2018. We always love having you guys. Make sure to follow us on social media, uh, on Twitter and Facebook. We would love to join in the conversation with you. All right, join us next time when we will be reviewing The Post. We'll see you then. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to ScreenersPodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.